Hey, well, welcome to the podcast. I'm Joel here with my dad. And I'm Rick, and we are so glad you're here today. Hey, so dad, we don't want to think our regular theme on this podcast is kind of looking at stories of growing up and watching how you uh, led our family, things you did right, sometimes the things you, you think you could have done a little better. <laughs> and I was thinking right now, uh, specifically in this time that we're in of kind of everybody feeling limited, like you're, there's kind of this silent enemy out there. We're not sure yeah, what we can do. Invisible. Invisible. And I was thinking about limitations. And one of the things that I noticed with, with uh, our family and particularly with you watching you start the mission when we were on the mission field, um, we had to start very small. And I remember it was basically, you started the whole organization with what, a fax machine and an idea, basically? Uh, yeah, we did have a fax machine. That <laughs> yeah, was, that's right. We yeah. did have a fax. And I remember, um, I remember first of all, you were not, you were trying to be obedient to God in starting it, but you didn't feel like this was something you, you know, you had, well, you, I don't know, you sense, felt a sense of having to do it. Yeah. But the reality was it was really kind of challenging because we were, we were limited. First of all, you didn't have any money to start it with. There was right. no money. Yeah. The fax machine, in fact, we got it at a pawn shop. Yeah, that's right. Somebody, <laughs> the cheap fax machine, um, and we're in Guatemala. It didn't have any money. Living off of our, our support, and you're feeling like God's card, start calling you to start this global missions agency. Yeah. And I think that that's one of the challenges a lot of us feel is there's something deep within our hearts that we really want to accomplish, and maybe you see a huge need. I've always uh, felt that everybody's got a message to share and a problem to solve. So when you see what that problem is that you're called to solve, it gets super overwhelming, and you're like, man, I need this, 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 yeah. and this to get started with. Yeah. And most of the time, you actually don't. So talk about that a little bit. Well, I, you know, um, I learned a lot of my uh, lessons from other people's mistakes. I always try to learn from the pain of other people so I don't have to endure the pain myself. And as you know, just before we went to Guatemala, we were involved in a ministry that, uh, was going to be a missionary training center and it was going to be a church and I was to do the church and someone else was going to lead the missionary training center. And then there was someone kind of overseeing that. And, um, we, uh, before I got involved in it, the, the leadership had already committed to 18 acres of property and $250,000 worth of debt and, uh, just a lot of commitments because down the road, which $250,000 30 years ago, was a lot more than it, now. It, it was like a million now. I mean, yeah. it was, yeah. it was so overwhelming. It was just so unbelievable. And, uh, but th those commitments had already been made and thinking about it, you know, when I got into the middle of it, I realized those the property and all the things that they thought were necessary to do this were really just albatrosses around our neck. They were just weights that kept us from being able to fly, you know, and do anything. And so I began to realize, you know, that, wow, you know, um, you just start where you are. And I realized there was nothing that we ever did in that ministry that couldn't have been done through in a rented home in town and a lot more effective, you know, just rent a place rather than making a commitment, a financial commitment like that. So when C10 started, um, I felt like, you know, Lord, um, okay, I've already, <laughs> in fact, when we went on the field, uh, somebody was encouraging us, well, just go, you know, because once you get on the field, then God's going to provide all this, you know, and that's living by faith. And I thought, you know what? I've tried this living by faith thing. <laughs> uh, and I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to live by prior faith rather than afterward faith. In other words, I'm going to believe that God's going to provide ahead of time to mm. confirm his direction rather than praying and crying at the end of every month that I'm going to be able to make my bills. So I decided we were just going to, if, if God, if we didn't have it, Hey God, this is your deal. And if you want it to happen, you either provide the money or it's not going to happen. And I think that that really helped too. Cause I wasn't that 
committed to yeah. making it happen and grow. Well, you know? I, I kind of wonder if sometimes the reason we think we need all that stuff is because if it, you've, it's the idea of fake it till you make it. Uh, I see businesses all the time that go out and rent all this space that they don't need. And, well, we need an office. People need to take us seriously with an office. You're like, yeah. well, not necess- you don't necessarily need an office if it's going to tank you financially. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's the thing. What what we look at is resources. You know, somebody said this. They said, you never own anything. It always owns you. And you can yeah. think about that if you you have a house. Oh, honey, we own a house. No, you don't. Yeah. It owns you. Even <laughs> if you truly own it outright. Yeah. Uh, there's still things breaking down. Yeah. There's still things that need repair. And, it, you know, at the most inconvenient time, it says, hey, by the way, I'd like a new water heater. That's right. <laughs> so there's that is a challenge, I think, with a lot of people that they feel like they need. So uh, I was talking to Jonathan about this the other day, and he used the word the minimal, minimal viable, minimum viable product, like, What's the minimum thing you need to start with? What's the bare bones you need to start with? And and as you start, as you see with C10, an idea and a fax machine while living in Guatemala, it was yeah. enough. Well, and we had volunteers in the States. We, yeah. we we'd found four volunteers. I just as I prayed, I felt like God put four families on my heart and I contacted them and they off, offered to do the work here. So we didn't pay them anything. Which is amazing. That's one of the things too, as people start things is you think, oh, I got to hire somebody. But man, you'd be amazed how much free work people are willing to give if they believe in the product. Yeah, exactly. And, it, and it's a benefit to them because they feel like they're they're giving something, they're investing yeah. something. Uh, that reminds me of Phil Vischer. I think we've mentioned that Phil Vischer book over and over again, the, yeah. me, myself, and Bob, where he talks about when they started having to do layoffs. And he, a bunch of the people came to him and were like, hey, Phil, why didn't you just tell us we need you need money? I would have worked for half of what I'm working for. Yeah. And uh, he's like, oh, you, you forget that. that The intangible yeah, value. Yeah. And you, you, we all just, I know that. I mean, I find that with me sometimes. We, and this is a challenge for a lot of people too. If you think big, you know, we're in a, in a, a country where everybody's like, go big or go home. And so you immediately think, I'm going to need this and that and this and that and this and that. And this. But nowadays, really, I mean, if you've got a computer, yeah, you can get started on pretty much anything. And our, our day was a fax machine. But um, yeah. it, I, did, <clears throat> I just think that's so important. Um, and what I think is powerful about it, there's this quote I love uh, by T.S. Eliot, and he says this. He says, when forced to work within a strict framework, the imagination is taxed to its utmost and will produce its richest ideas. Given total freedom, the work is likely to sprawl. And I've seen that with organizations, that organizations that have loads of money just bl- make these massive blunders. Yeah. And, I mean, waste millions and millions of dollars and they didn't it's just because they have the luxury of you know blow money and they don't have to be creative yeah and they don't have to take counsel from other people either i we had a situation happen where we had uh, somebody referred some a couple to us and they came and they said uh, hey we've got this vision we got this dream we just see tents all over central america could you help us get tents and i'm thinking well i don't really know if anybody needs a tent you know and uh, but they def- desperately wanted to give a tent. So I went and talked to the pastors up in Nabok. I said, would you guys like a tent? <laughs> like, what? We don't really need a tent, but sure, you know, big okay. circus-type tent. So we, we had one big crusade. All the pastors got together, did this thing. And it's a small village um, up in the mountains there. And uh, actually, it's, I guess it's a small town, actually. Anyway, uh, it was funny because then they felt an obligation to take care of this dumb tent after the crusade. They built a little house for it. <laughs> And so the this tent lived in a better house than some oh of the pastors gosh. did. It actually had a concrete floor and block walls and stuff, you know. And so I thought, you know, it's so crazy because I tried to tell these people, look, here's something you could do that would really help. But oh no, we had this vision, and I realized how many thousands of dollars were basically wasted. Yeah, 
because they had the money and so didn't have to listen to anybody. Didn't yeah. have to take counsel from anybody. I, I, it reminds me of a project we saw in Peru where uh, we went to this one place and we walked around and we saw this uh, these all these beautiful beautiful silos and I was like, wow, those are amazing. I mean, it's probably like two hundred thousand dollars worth of silos. I was like, what's that? Well, that was a grain project we were going to do, but then we learned that grain doesn't store at this altitude. <laughs> I was like, wow, we didn't do any research. We didn't check. And then it you walk through this time. beautiful avocado of uh, all these avocados, and they're like, wow, this was our avocado project. I'm like, man, you must be have tons of avocados. Well, we actually found out they don't work at this altitude. I'm like, oh my gosh. Then they had a a fish farm, and they were funded, very well funded, yeah. at this fish farm, and they built this beautiful fish farm, but they didn't realize that every year water drains from the mountains around and washes out the fish farm. It's like. Uh, so they're stuck in everybody yeah, else's pond. That's but they, nice. they didn't, when you have money, you're not forced to get creative. But that's the yeah. power, I think, of, of being limited is it forces you to get creative um, because you've only got so many resources of you know, time, energy, money. And I think that's a mistake that a lot of us make is we think once I've got X, I can get started. Yeah. But that's really not the case. I really, I was kind of praying about that one time. I was thinking, man, Lord, just what, what we could do if we had all these funds and resources. And I really... I was reminded of that story with the tents and these sto- other stories like that, you know, that, you know, I believe one of the reasons God is kind of holds back sometimes is because, again, we need to exercise some creativity. We need to remain dependent upon him. We need to remain in constant touch with him. And if uh, if we have all the resources, you know, he could very easily just, you know, like with, with Moses coming out of the wilderness there, he could have very easily just said, uh, "Hey Moses, you know, here's a map. Uh, I'll meet you in, uh, I'll meet you in the Promised Land in 40 years." You know, right? Uh, but he wanted Moses day by day to be dependent upon him, and I believe that's what the Lord wants too. Because if if we have those resources, we don't really have to pray. We just well, let's give it a shot, you know, and mm-hmm. we'll see how it works, you know. And and that reminds me of the story of Gideon, where Gideon's like called by, called on by God to attack the the enemy, and he rounds up a really great army. Yeah, the guy's like, nope, you got too many people. He's like, what? You never have too many. You never have too many people for an army. You want shock and awe, right? He dwindles it down to essentially a three hundred people. I mean, like ten percent of what he initially had. Yeah, and then they end up going wiping out the enemy. And of course, the the lesson is that we've always been taught from Sunday school was, you know, um, that when God, uh, you know, God wants the credit for the victory. And I think that's the case a lot of times with us, where we say, you know, the smaller it is the the more actually that's another thing too is the smaller you are the more agile you are yeah. we're seeing that right now with this economy that we're in yeah um people that had a massive infrastructure that they have to maintain with this with the the covid thing that hit um they're freaking out right because they've got to maintain all of this stuff but smaller companies that are a little more quick on their feet they're coming up with quick ways to you know yeah. change the way they do delivering i heard a, a shoes shoe store is doing concierge shoe services now they're delivering the shoes to you fitting you at your house i'm like wow like how cool they got on their feet really quickly with that yeah. but you know they have maybe 12 employees and they say hey guys get yeah. in your cars and let's go do this because they're not coming to us uh, so in some ways being small gives you more agility uh, more flexibility yeah and and that's i mean that's a challenge you're facing now with the mission it just keeps getting bigger and bigger and you're like ah oh, we can't do all the same stuff we used to be able I to do i actually had to start another agency <laughs> to, yeah. to be able to do some of the stuff that we used to be able to do because it has gotten so big and unwieldy and it's wonderful because you know it, everything has its place you know i I've, I've got this humongous wrench that i think i inherited from your your grandfather you know it's this is it's this humongous pipe wrench yeah and man it is impressive you walk around that you look like a real man you know but I've never been able to use it for anything. It's too darn big. You know, it's just too big. Until that one day when you need that thing. <laughs> I, 
I think it would be useful for taking down power lines and stuff, you know, those big old bolts, but I can't use it around the house. But man, I love that wrench. It is so cool. And it's kind of the uh, same way, you know, you can get a big wrench has its purpose. Yeah. But so does that tiny little wrench. And it just depends. And so big organizations, there are things we can do with C10 now that we couldn't do before. Yeah. Awesome. Blessing. Wonderful. It's just great. Uh, but there's also things that we needed a smaller organization to be able to meet this need here and that need there. So, you know, I was thinking though, too, I remember reading um, uh, when Southwest Airlines turned 50 years old, they had mm-hmm. that book. They, it was just when you had gotten hired on. I think there was when they actually turned 20, 20 or 20, 25. 25. Yeah, yeah, it was 25. 25. Yeah, yeah. Was, I think they probably aren't 50 yet. 25. Yeah, they had a book called Still Nuts After All These Years. And in there, one of the things they said was about how um, they had to remain flexible, too. And even though they were a large organization, they had to flex many times. And they talked a lot of their their strength was in their flexibility as well and the, f- the flexibility of their employees. And so even when you get big, many times you, you can use creativity to um, to meet a need. But sometimes I think we get so big and we, we, we get kind of comfortable in our ways and we you just kind of get big and fat and you don't you're just not flexible anymore. I mean, companies, corporations, organizations are just like people. When we get a little overweight and a little tubby, we can't bend down and touch our toes like we used to be able to, you know, we're just not as flexible as we used to be. And so I think that's a key to success is, is uh, what you talked about earlier is starting with just a bare minimum and, uh, and not trying to really impress anybody. I think, again, I think that was one of the reasons that commissioned every nation did well was I really, I had no great dreams of making it grow. Yeah. Uh, I didn't really, I just loved what we were doing in Guatemala. I didn't want to be director of a mission agency. Well, even a few years in, you didn't have a building. You worked out of a church that offered you some space. And that's another thing I see a lot of people too, is they want, you know, you feel like you have to have a certain uh, level of something to impress people. But I've found that, man, when you, when I mean, people understand being limited, right? Yeah. And yeah. I think if you're honest about it, say, hey, I'm just getting started. And, you know, as a real estate agent, a lot of people are like, you got to have a really nice car. I'm like, man, not if it's going to cost you to, you're the first six houses you sell to be to pay for that car. Yeah. Um, and so limitations, I think when you admit your limitations and tell people, you know, I'm just getting started, um, then it can actually be a blessing. And the other thing about it, I got started then back on the limitations idea. I remember the first time we found out that Emily was allergic to gluten and um, gluten is wheat, right? So I remember I, I do a lot of the cooking at the house and I remember thought, Oh my gosh, I can't cook anything. Cause if you look at the little, uh, the uh, ingredients on anything, everything. wheat is in everything. Yeah, it's everywhere. everything. It's everywhere. And so I thought, man, cooking is going to be so hard. And I was talking to Emily about it the other day. I'm like, you realize that for the last three years, we've known about, or actually been like five now. We've known about this. And I don't feel limited in any way because I can't use wheat. I just, you just know what you can use and what you can't use. And I think that's, um, that I think that's a huge part of it is at first you feel limited. Like I can only do this, this or that, but really once you know the parameters to operate in, I mean, this is a big concept here, kind of like lofty thinking, but once you know the parameters to, to operate in, um, then you are free to really do whatever. It's kind of like what they say with music. You've got to learn all of the rules of music so that you know how to break them. Right, yeah. Um, and then the truly creative stuff is like, wow, that note shouldn't have been in that that scale, but he threw it in there, and or she threw it in there, and it, that's, wow, that was really creative, that little almost sounding it would have sounded dissonant otherwise but you know how to break the rules and that's the thing about it once you really 
there's power in in understanding your limitations um which nobody wants to admit we have limitations right mm-hmm. so we what happens is we overrun ourselves we i think that too i see that a lot of times with people as they they you know they think there's 27 hours in the day and so they book themselves 27 hours worth of stuff for a 24-hour day it's like well that's not going to work and so they're always drop balls dropping the ball is always dropping on something um and until you can acknowledge your limitations you really can't thrive within it yeah uh you know um i i uh when i was working with kids i learned how to juggle and um i can i can juggle uh, two balls and i can juggle three balls and i can do it behind my back and under my leg and i can bounce them and juggle and do that sort of thing but i never got to where i could do four balls Right. So if you watched me juggle three, you'd say, well, that guy can really juggle. <laughs> if you watch me try to juggle four, you'd go, that guy doesn't know the first thing about juggling. And it's got nothing mm. to do with ability. Well, it does have to do with ability. I just can't do four balls very well. I can do them for a few little rounds. But the point is, as long as I stick with three balls, I look awesome. Yeah. When I pick up that one extra, just one extra ball, I fall apart and everything goes to pieces and I look like an idiot, you know. Same way with us, you know, you might be great at juggling three balls or you may be able to do four or five balls, but we all have a limit somewhere. And when we go beyond that limit, we begin to drop things. We begin to look like an idiot instead of just backing off a little bit and sticking with where you're good, sticking with what you know. Well, and and, I mean, that can can apply to time, to energy. I mean, that's a challenging thing too. As you get older, um, you just can't quite do as much as you used you to be able to. Already? I'm already noticing it. <laughs> I saw a thing on the internet the other day. It said, welcome to your 40s. If your random ailment hasn't been assigned to you yet that's unnameable, we'll give you one shortly. <laughs> I'm like, well, I have that. I'm like, what's this? So there's there's some sort of a limitation we all have. Yeah. And you can get down on yourself and get tyrannical with yourself. Oh, I should be doing more. Just say, ah, it's, it is what it is. And yeah. um. And, but then there's freedom in that because then you know what your your parameters are. And I think that's the challenge of figuring that out with, with kids. Act, for example, with kids' activities. Um, your kids are probably, I see this a lot of times, the kids are tired of the activities. Uh, and a lot of people are telling me that now they're like, with everything canceled, we're realizing, Whoa, man, wow. we were so busy doing yeah. so much stuff. And we're like, and we thought it was all necessary, but we're surviving without it. And yeah. Um, kids are happy and they're making it and they're yeah. finding other things to do. Yeah. And, the kids yeah. are like, Oh, I'm so glad we don't have, yeah. I remember that as a kid, even too, I would get tired, you know, towards the end of baseball season. I don't want to go to another baseball practice or towards yeah. the end of, and that's the thing when, when you start to realize, okay, we've only got so much energy, same with money too. We've only got so much money. What can we do within the framework of what we have? And that's where it gets really challenging because, um, like with houses, they'll lend you, there's a number, they've got it, the government ever since the crisis, crisis of, of the late uh, 2000s, they know the number they can give you, but a little, it's a little bit, it pushes it a little bit for a lot of people's income. So they say, hey, you, you're qualified for a $350,000 house. And you're like, oh, well, let's go get a $350,000 house. But the question is, um, yeah. is that going to strap you every time? And what would it be like if you had a little margin in your finances to where you weren't pushing it to the limit every time? And so you had room for other stuff financially. And I think that's a challenge a lot of people get in. People tell me that all the time. They're like, man, I just, I wish I could travel. And I think this gets into a whole nother talk on values. Right. But, yeah. um, but they've got, you know, a car payment that's three of their car payments is what I spend for a trip to Europe for a couple of weeks. And um, yeah, I don't have a car that's as nice as theirs, but I know the limits on what I, I know my limits financially. And so I figure out what can I do within those limits. But the challenge is, sometimes we forget we have limits and then 
we try and ignore the limits that are there, but they're they're actually, if you would learn to work within them, there's actually a ton of freedom in there. But the challenge is, I hear that, that somebody told me the other day, I don't know how anybody can make a living anymore off 150000 a year. And I was like, <laughs> I'll show you how to make three lives out of 350000 a year. Um, but you, you once you get like, you get used to a certain amount of, of excess and then you... Yeah. yeah. We all live in a certain kind of a bubble. Yeah. Those around us, we associate with those in that bubble and we feel like that's it, you know. You know, we're seeing a, a lot of the uh, benefit of creativity in this thing. I really think, I mean, you know, the coronavirus and all that, it's bad. Okay, let's check that off. It's bad, all right? But I really think we're seeing a lot of great things come out of this, and particularly for the church. You know, for example, a lot of churches that have never done anything online all of a sudden are doing something online. They're forced to, yeah. yeah. Our, our church, for example, a couple weeks ago, you know, they announced, okay, we're going to be doing a a live streaming service and i'm sitting there thinking man unless live streaming has changed a lot we don't have the stuff to do that but and then they came back well we found out we don't have the equipment to do that but we'll do it next week you know and so sure enough they did it but they they would have never done that and i heard the pastor say said we had more people online than we've ever had in church yeah and you realize the outreach of that that they probably eh, we'll do it one of these days one of these days one of these days. And when they're forced to then all of a sudden the creativity came in. How are we going to reach people? We've got to do something different. That's that Elliot quote. When you're forced to work within a strict framework, exactly. you're taxed your yeah. But if you have total liberty, you're likely to sprawl or just not get involved in certain things. Yeah. yeah. And I called a pastor friend of mine, you know, and I said, so how's it going? You know, and he's, he's, he's actually he's retired, but he's still staying in touch with his little church. And I said, so they didn't do the live stream. He says, no, that guy is kind of technically challenged. But they did a Facebook Live thing, That's, but they threw it and it worked. Yeah, I, so they had to find some way to to connect, even though they didn't have the resources to do buy the equipment for online streaming or anything. You know, yeah, Facebook and that Live. is part of the wonderful time of human history we live in. That if you've got a smartphone, you can broadcast to the world. Crazy, huh? it's just mind blowing. Yeah, I mean, I see a lot of these churches. I've spoken at some of these churches that maybe have 150, 200 people, and they had a thousand people watch their thing. Now, how long do they watch it? I don't yeah. know, but a thousand people poking their head in your church service—they checked in. Yeah, pretty amazing. Yeah, that's more um, than opened the back door and stuck their head in. Yeah, physically, yeah. you know. So it's it, there, it is creating a lot of creativity, and I think I mean, you know, again, the smaller businesses you're seeing, they've been or the startups are getting a little more agile on it, like. And this is the, the heyday for, I always kind of wondered if those delivery services were going to make it, but then man, this is their moment right oh, yeah. now. Yeah. And you get people conditioned to a new way of doing things. I was like, oh wow, this is great, man. I just clicked yeah. on the app and 30 minutes later, food showed up on my door. It, yeah. You know, that's my concern with church. People go, man, this is great. I'm never going to a church again. We got to show up. I what? can watch five different services and pick which preacher I like the best and which I worship know. I like the best. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's just like smorgasbord here. This is awesome. So uh, to kind of wrap it up, I th- I think I, I guess the I was going to ask what your advice would be, and then I was going to give my advice. Your advice would be to people who are looking at their life right now and saying, you know, I've got a big dream in my heart, but I'm looking right now at our finances. I'm looking at the time, everything, and um, the energy I've got. You know, maybe I'm a little older than when I first had the dream. Wh- what would what's the advice you would give to to people when they feel limited, but they've still got a desire to do something of value within them. Well, I mean, this sounds really uh, simple, but you have to start where you are. Mm-hmm. You know, the old journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step type of a thing, you know? And so if you're, whatever um, your dream is, maybe you can find somebody who's doing that and you can go help out and you can go volunteer and you can learn some things or, 
or maybe your you know your dream is to reach a thousand, but you could start by reaching one and doing something for one person. You know, yeah. like old starfish story. You know, you throw the starfish in, you're not helping, but I help that one starfish. You know, maybe you can help one person, and and you'll and I think it's good starting small like that because then you learn some lessons that you oh I never anticipated that would be a problem. Yeah, and so then then you're learning that lesson with one rather than with a hundred. Yeah, and it only costs you a dollar instead of a hundred dollars to learn that lesson. So start where you are. Start small and do what you can do there, and then you're going to learn from that, and God's going to bless that because, you know, Jesus said this, if you're not faithful with a small thing, who's going to trust you with big things? Yeah. So be faithful with what you have right where you are and then see what God does from there. That reminds me of something Andy Stanley said. He said, do for the one what you what you wish yeah. you could do for all. And yeah. that's where it starts. And if we all start doing for one, could things could improve quickly i would also suggest uh get that get your book the vision map because it it, it really is very helpful to see how you can take one step and and figure out what your step is and then what you need to be praying for god to do in it as well yeah um i was going to follow up on something you said too about the idea that the nice thing about starting small and when you're limited is that mistakes are a lot less costly right Uh, if you're if you've been wise right so you make, you know, for example, a, a small business that decided they just had to have a building and they got the rent right now. And then all of a sudden revenues drop off during this time. And a lot of them are just going to be crushed because they have rent hanging over their head. Right. Whereas somebody who's been like, yeah, we're going to keep meeting from a Starbucks, you know, um, Starbucks is now closed, but you don't have the rent hanging over your head of, you know, a $3,000 a month rent um, back when, you know, the economy was doing great. So I think that's, that's a really important part is that, Limitations can be a blessing because yeah, it actually yeah. makes the the downside a little less down. And I think in most times too, if you wait for God to provide mm-hmm. rather than going to the bank, yeah, there may be there are, there are times when that might be the way to do it. But I believe God's lack of provision is just as directional as His provision. Wow. That's in other words, if He said if it's not coming through, maybe He's saying, "Hey, don't go there." Man, that's true. Because there have been, there's two specific things Emily and I've been praying for, and I've just been thinking any day he's going to open up the door. And three years I've been praying that, and he hadn't opened up the door, and that's really helpful that his lack of provision uh, is actually speaking too. Right. Um, because I'm I'm looking for kind of a, a fleece thing. I'm like, well, we need this, but it needs to be under these parameters. And of course, I'm open, right? But I'm. That's the thing. It's easy. It would be easy to just jump out there, and yeah. when somebody's offering you what seems to get to to take the the lid off of your limitations. Here, here's you know this money that yeah. there's strings to the money, but man, it'll take the lid off, lid off your yeah. limitations. But we need to talk about the Ishmael principle and compromise as well. One of these yeah. things. So. Okay, that's a, that actually might be a good one for our next podcast. Maybe yeah. so. Stick around and let's see. Yeah, <laughs> awesome. Well, I, I I guess the bottom line we would just want to encourage you with is if you feel limited right now, um, and it doesn't just have to be because of you're trapped at home, quarantine. But man, I think all of us at some point we feel limited. We've got a thing in our heart we want to do, but we just maybe we don't. Maybe we feel like we don't have the education, we don't have the training. Um, by all means, go get educated, go get trained. Right. Um, but understand this: that oftentimes your limitations can be your greatest asset to creativity, and it's a chance for God to come in and really come in. Yeah, and two, if it's God's dream, He's He's the one's going to make it happen. He's more interested in it happening than you are if it's His dream. And if it's not His dream, you probably don't want to get involved in it. liked what you heard, please consider sharing this with a friend. For more information, visit joelmalm.com or rickmalm.com. 
Thanks for listening.